Chapter 7 Bill had picked a good season to appear to the Karankawa on the South Texas coast. It was during the sea harvest, before the great migration to the hill country and after the hunts. It was a time of leisure for them, and Bill had heartily enjoyed his stay thus far. He'd given up hopes of ever seeing Marcy again, rather quickly, all things considered, with no notion of how he'd ever return to her. He wondered, on occasion, what she was doing, imagining her anguish over his disappearance. To be clear, there was no anguish. Currently, in Marcy's time, she was still bitching about the clock to Jim and Alice, as Bill had been missing from Plainview for less than five minutes, and no one had noticed. Heron Legs continued to dote on his protege. People noticed. There was talk of a new naming, something more reflective of this new Beale. Bill himself remained unaffected by it all. How could he be? He still, after all this time, didn't understand a single word anyone spoke to him. He'd learned nothing. Bill's small concession to his old lifestyle was to fashion himself a toilet chair. It was one type of torture to defecate in the cops of small blousy trees by the coastlines, yet a whole other ring of hell to squat on the ground with no support, relying on shaky, underdeveloped calf muscles, and take your 20-minute morning beat in. Therefore, to accommodate his new fiber-filled diet, Bill had built himself a perch. Two berries had laughed and laughed at it, but Bill noticed his toilet chair was missing after the oyster-eating contest several days before. The very contest, two berries won after shucking and sucking down more than 40 oysters in 10 minutes. He knew the sly minks had used it, but he let it pass. She was a tidy housekeeper and nursemaid, one worth retaining, and therefore entitled to her secrets. Deer in the swamps continued watching Beale closely, yet Bill did not notice. He was preoccupied with his life at camp and training his gifted wolf dog Poot. Bill had named the dog Poot because she was a brindle bitch the color of a turd, but she was sweet and loyal, and Bill loved her upon first sight. In addition to the rumblings of Bill's renaming, the chief was on the lookout for a husband for his tenth daughter. Everyone called her lovely doe eyes, but it was said that Heron Legs was considering Bill as her husband to be. Deer in the swamps was furious. Of course, of all the sisters, Heron Legs would offer lovely doe eyes to him. He had hopes that she would be his second wife. He had to find a way to unmask Beale soon because he could not believe this asshole's luck. For almost two months, Deer in the Swamp surveilled Beale, shadowing his every move, waiting to make his own. All in all, a colossal waste of time spent watching Bill shit happily on his homemade toilet chair, watching Bill slobber all over Poot and laze about with two berries serving him his meals, watching Bill continue to defy logic and excel in odd arenas such as bare-handed fishing, weaving, and farting contests. To be fair, that last competition was Bill's own brainchild. When the opportunity finally arose for deer in the swamps, it was quicker and simpler than he'd ever imagined. He knew Bill wasn't all he seemed. And though the Karankawa were fairly isolated in this hot, humid stretch of Texas, they weren't entirely ignorant of the world. Most had at least encountered one or two white men in their lifetime, usually the Spaniards. 
The only thing that deer in the swamps could see that set Beale apart from those Europeans was his complete and total ignorance in all things. Even they knew some things. For that reason, he could forgive Heronleg's initial mistake. But as the weeks and now months had gone by, this Beale had done nothing godly. How could the tribe not see this? This god had not improved the sea harvest. He had not defeated their enemies with curses. He had not cured the breathing sickness. There were no magical happenings such as talking animals or snow in the summer. He'd heard that the white man worshipped a being that resided in the clouds. A large man with a whip that beat his earthly children when they displeased him. He reasoned that if this man was that vengeful, surely tossing Bill down to the Karankawa when he proved so incredibly worthless wasn't out of the question. Of course, this circular rationale could conversely indicate that Beale was a god. Frankly, it made his head hurt, and Deer in the Swamps had almost convinced himself that he was mistaken in his suspicions when he happened by Beale's wiki-up one early evening, just before dinner. Two berries had captured and cooked a large turkey and was busy by the fire pulling off choice bits of the sizzling meat for later as Poot and several other dogs scrambled at her feet, begging for scraps. Two berries threw out several large bones, one of which Poot gobbled up with gusto. However, greedy in her gulping, Poot suddenly made a wretched strangling noise and began to stagger. Two berries screamed as the dog choked with pathetic retching sounds. Bill dropped his toilet seat, sprinting to Poot's side as he emerged from the brush. He grabbed the dog up, pounding her back, which did nothing to dislodge the bone from her throat. He frantically grabbed the dog's feet, turning her upside down while heartily slapping her back, but the bone remained lodged tightly in her throat. Finally, in desperation, as Poot gagged and wheezed, Bill dropped down behind her, reaching his arms around her chest to latch his hands together and began heimlicking the dog. After four deep thrusts from his clenched fist under the dog's ribcage, the bone flew from her mouth and Poot ran off as if nothing had happened. Bill sank down on his haunches, breathing heavily as he silently lauded his heroics. Unfortunately, it was at the exact moment Beale was heimlicking Poot that deer in the swamp sauntered by in the shadows. He and several others, emerging from their wiki-ups in response to Tuberry's hysterical shouts, witnessed this peculiar turn of events. They saw Beale mount his dog from behind and pump enthusiastically over the poor animal while Tuberry screamed in horror. After endless moments of assault, the dog finally escaped his grasp and ran away. As mentioned before, the Karankawa loved their dogs. They abhorred all kinds of animal abuse, and Bill, who had saved his dog via the Heimlich maneuver, had just, in their eyes, publicly defiled his own dog. Unfortunately, in the gloaming of the evening sun, to those who had never had the opportunity to witness this life-saving technique, it did look rather suspicious. Bill stood, noticing the uncomfortable silence and the scornful eyes upon him. He laughed uncomfortably. Someone hissed. He sensed the crowd was confused by the Heimlich method, and so began pantomiming the maneuver for them again, all while smiling broadly, assuring them, she's fine, see, all good. To those watching, this dog-raping monster was now reliving his crime, unrepentant. They turned away in disgust. 
Even Tuberry silently retreated to the wickiup. The turkey grew dry on the fire, and no one showed up for dinner. For deer in the swamps, this was the exact moment he had been waiting for. He had no love for dog abusers himself, and righteously gathered up several of the more horrified eyewitnesses and went directly to his father-in-law, Heron Legs. <laughs> 